Thanks for checking out the Candeo podcast. To learn more about us, visit us at candeochurch.com. Luke 2, 25 through 35. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. His father and mothers were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. And a sword will pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Well, good evening to all of you, uh, and Merry Christmas, if I haven't met you yet. My name's Jake, I'm one of the pastors here, and especially if this is your first time visiting Candeo, or maybe your family drug you here, uh, that's great. Either way, however you got here, uh, we're really glad that you're here, and, that, and we're honored that you would join us uh, for Christmas Eve tonight. So, Christmas Eve is kind of a weird, a Christmas Eve service is a weird service for a pastor, and here's why. It's because it's one of the few services throughout the year that you kind of already know what I'm going to say. Like, you kind of already know what I'm going to talk about, right? Like, it would be weird if, uh, if I got up here and said, Merry Christmas, everyone. Now, you can go ahead and open your Bibles as we begin our series in First Chronicles. That'd be odd. Like, you would walk out going, like, the what was with that guy? Like, does he not, he knows it's nighttime, right? Like, it's Christmas Eve, it's not, like, he's supposed to talk about Jesus. Like, you have expectations. You had expectations coming here tonight. Like, what we're supposed to do at a Christmas Eve service is we're supposed to talk about Jesus. We're supposed to sing Christmas carols, hear a heartwarming message. We're supposed to uh, talk about shepherds and wise men who weren't there when he was born and peace on earth and all these things like and maybe just maybe we'll end the whole thing singing like a rousing rendition of silent night before we rush home to begin the whack-a-mole process of putting kids to bed on christmas eve like that's that's kind of what a christmas eve service is supposed to be now that kind of christmas eve service is like the oldest trick in the book so I thought maybe tonight we could try to do something a little bit different, all right? So instead of being um, nostalgic or sentimental or really trying to like, like tickle your emotions, uh, my goal tonight is to be clear. Can we do that together? Instead of being sentimental, how about we be clear? And what I wanna be clear about tonight, I wanna be clear about three things about Christmas that we see in the Luke 2 passage that Andrea just read for us. 
So three things that we're going to see about Christmas tonight. We're going to see the comfort of Christmas. We're going to see the conflict of Christmas. And we're going to see the call of Christmas. The comfort of Christmas, the conflict of Christmas, and the call of Christmas. The first one you're probably expecting. That'll be your kind of heartwarming thing. The second one might be a little surprising for you. And then the third one is absolutely unavoidable. So first, the comfort of Christmas. So Jesus was born, as we, get into, as we get into this passage in Luke 2, in verse 25, Jesus has already been born, and Mary and Joseph bring him into the temple to present him before the Lord. Now this was according to the Jewish law back in Exodus 12. It stated that the firstborn, the firstborn Jewish boy was to be dedicated to the Lord in the temple. And in walks this guy named Simeon. Now, Simeon isn't really a popular Bible character, right? Like, you're not going to see Simeon, you know, pictures of Simeon up on a nursery. You're not going to hear nursery rhymes about Simeon. You're not going to probably even find him in a children's Bible. Like, we know very little about Simeon. In fact, most of what we know about Simeon is here in Luke chapter 2. And what we see right away about this guy named Simeon is in verse 25. It says that Simeon was righteous and devout looking forward to Israel's consolation. Consolation. That's an interesting word. You see, Israel was God's chosen people, and God chose them not because of any merit of their own, not because they were some great nation, but in fact, they were this kind of like puny nation. Like they didn't, they weren't very big and they weren't very powerful, but God in his own, you know, by his own goodness and grace and love chose Israel as his own people. And what he intended to do with them was to pour out his blessing on them, his favor on them, to display his love toward them, and that they would live according to his commands and would be a display to the surrounding nations about the goodness and the grace and the favor and the kindness of this great God. But instead of living according to God's ways, for their good and for God's glory, what Israel time and time and time again, and if you read throughout the Old Testament, what we see is that Israel continued to reject this loving and gracious God. And what would, ha what would happen as a result of their rejection of God is that they would suffer the consequences of their sin. And God would allow surrounding nations to come in to carry them off into exile as they suffered the consequences of their sin. But God didn't, God didn't do this. He didn't allow this because he's petty. He didn't allow this because he's on some sort of power trip. Like he allowed these things to happen to Israel so that, so that they would see the error of their ways. So that they would see that God is in fact good and is in fact gracious. That God is not to be rejected, but he's to be received. It's kind of like what you do with your kids, right? Like the reason you discipline your kids, it isn't because you're petty. It isn't because you're on a power trip. It's because you love them. Like you are the representation of God's authority in their life. And when they reject your authority in love, what you do is you pursue after your children and you discipline them at times to show your love for them, to show them that sin will always hurt them, will have consequences, and that they can walk in the goodness of your ways because you love them. So here's Simeon. 
He's watching and waiting for Israel's consolation, waiting for the one that the prophets had spoken of, waiting for the one, waiting for the Messiah, waiting for the Savior, waiting for this one who would come and restore Israel back into right relationship with God. Because this was the source of their suffering after all, wasn't it? Brokenness with God. No matter how hard they tried, no matter what they did, their striving would never be good enough. Their working would never be good enough. It would never be good enough to fix what they had broken. And, and honestly, even if they could fix it, it would only last for a little bit of time because they'd mess it up again. Like Israel remained very aware of their brokenness with God. And before we go any further, isn't it true that all of us, like Simeon, long for consolation. We long for comfort. And I don't mean comfort like you want, like a lazy boy, you know, and, and your car to have a nice suspension so it's not bumpy. No, I mean like comfort, like a soul level comfort, like soul level consolation. Like have we not all seen the brokenness of our world in like vivid color this year? I mean, we could just go through the list of events that have happened in 2020 that have reminded each and every one of us, once again, of the brokenness of a fallen world. Do we not all long for consolation? Do we not all want fulfillment? Do we not all want to be satisfied? And so maybe you look for love in relationship after relationship after relationship, person after person after person after person to fill this void in your heart, to console your own soul. Maybe you look for, for climbing the ladder of success in your job, for finding a sense of purpose in the work that you do. Maybe that's why you work the, the hours that you do. Maybe that's why you make the compromises that you make, to gain status, to gain power. Maybe that's why you look for security in the number of a bank account. How much do I have in the bank? How much have I saved? How much have I made? Just hoping that somehow one or all of these things will bring rest to an anxious soul. And maybe for a short time they do. Like I'm not saying those things are bad in and of themselves. And maybe for a short time, they do kind of bring that sense of peace. They kind of bring that sense of joy and fulfillment and satisfaction. But eventually, if you've lived long enough, you know that eventually kind of like the scaffolding crumbles underneath either the weight of your own expectations or just the weight of a broken world. Like when the pink slip comes, maybe you used to work at John Deere and 2020 was the year where that stopped. Or maybe when the recession hits and the number that was in that bank account or in that investment portfolio just kind of like continues to dwindle and dwindle and dwindle and dwindle and that sense of security just kind of evaporates before your eyes. Maybe it's when that relationship just ends or maybe it doesn't end, but it's kind of lost that spark. You know, like it doesn't feel like it did at the beginning. See, brokenness with God and brokenness within our world creates with us, creates within us a soul that longs to be fulfilled. Creates within us a soul that needs consoling. 
no matter how hard you try, no matter how many things you do, the reality is, is that you can't console your own soul. Like, I hope you get everything that you wanted for for Christmas. I hope that your Amazon wish list is empty. I hope that tomorrow morning or whenever you're opening gifts, like it's a really fun time. But the reality is, is that it's very likely, like no matter how much you got or all the things that you got, it's, my guess is a majority of us will be online shopping before the year is done, regardless of what you got. We're totally unable to console our own souls. So we keep buying, we keep searching, we keep striving. But on this day, on this day, Mary and Joseph bring Jesus into the temple and in joyful relief, like Simeon's this old dude, like he's been waiting for this his whole life, the consolation of Israel. God promised him, Simeon, you're not gonna die before you see the consolation of Israel. On this day, Mary and Joseph bring Jesus into the temple and Simeon in his joy takes Jesus into his arms. I kind of imagine this as being like the Lion King moment. Like he's holding him up like Rafiki on Pride Rock. I don't think he actually did that, but like what he does, he takes Jesus into his arms and here's what he says. In verse 29 and 30, it says, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. Why? For my eyes have seen your salvation. Now I can die in peace because, God, I have seen your salvation. Notice, notice that. The consolation didn't come by the work of Simeon, by the work of Israel, not even by the work of Mary and Joseph. It came by the work of God because true consolation of your soul only comes from God himself. You can't bring it. You can't do it. You can't work hard enough. You can't get enough things. You can't have enough relationships to console your own soul. True consolation only comes from God himself. This is the comfort of Christmas. The comfort of Christmas that God himself, bring, God himself brings consolation to our weary souls, not by telling us to do more, not by telling us to be more, but by showing us what he has done in Christ. The comfort of Christmas is that God doesn't say, go and try harder. He says, come and see. Come and see the consolation that I bring to you. This is the comfort of Christmas. But here's the thing. When you have a cancerous tumor in your body, how does a surgeon bring peace and comfort to your body. They don't do it by massaging your back, by telling you, you're, do, you're, just, you're doing a good job, you're a great person. Now the way that a surgeon brings consolation to your body in that moment is by cutting it open. And what Simeon says next shows us that we can't have the comfort of Christmas without having the conflict of Christmas. The conflict of Christmas. Look at verse 34. We don't read this a lot around Christmas, but this is around the same thing. This is at the same time. Verse 34, then Simeon blessed them and told his mother Mary, indeed, 
This child is destined to cause the fall and rise of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed. And a sword will pierce your own soul that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. In other words, people will be polarized, Mary. Mary, this son that you hold in your arms, people will oppose him. There will be conflict because of him. People will hate him. He will cause the falling of many and the rising of many. He will divide families and nations, Mary, like this son, like the angels saying, peace on earth. He came to bring division. See, the conflict of Christmas is that who Jesus is, what he said and what he did, leaves no room for neutrality. It leaves no room for indifference. Like you have, you have to do something with Jesus. See, there, there are a lot of people, and, and maybe, maybe some of you are in this room. There are a lot of people who try to avoid explicitly hating Jesus. And at the same time, try to avoid bowing in submission to him as supreme Lord and King of their life. Like you try to avoid hating Jesus, but you also try to avoid like bowing to him as supreme Lord. Like plenty of people will go, I don't hate Jesus. Like I don't hate him. I mean, I'm here, aren't I? Like I go to church sometimes. Like I believe in God. Like people will say that. I don't hate Jesus. But then they will live as though who he was, what he said, what he did is like totally inconsequential. Like who Jesus is has no bearing on your life. Like it's like you don't hate him, but you don't love him either. You're just kind of like in the middle. Or maybe you would say, maybe you say like, like, yeah, I love Jesus. But what you mean, it's, it's the kind of love, it's, it's the way that you love tacos. Anyone love tacos? Right. It's like, I love tacos, but it's the kind of love that it's like, it's great when they're there. They're pretty tasty most of the time. It's kind of hard to mess up a taco, right? Like, like it'll fill me up. Like I enjoy it, but I don't want to only eat tacos. Like tacos aren't something to orient your life around, right? Like there's other, there's other food groups. Like if tacos were a food group, like there's, there's other things to eat. You know what I mean? Like there's a variety of choices. There's a lot of ways to get full. Like I love tacos, but the, I mean, come on. There are so many kinds of food plenty of other kinds of food. There are plenty of other ways to fill your stomach. Like tacos are just one of many good options. Isn't Jesus like that? Isn't Jesus just one of many ways to find God? See, the conflict of Christmas is that Jesus never gives that option. See, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And if, if you were unclear, no one comes to the Father but through me. That's what Jesus said. And so when he said that, what he was doing, he was placing a very clear stake in the ground saying, no, not all systems of belief are valid. There aren't many ways to find God. And in fact, even your own morality and goodness isn't good enough. This is the conflict of Christ. 
And this is the conflict of Christmas. This is the Jesus that would cause many to fall and many to rise. Now, maybe some of you, when you hear me say that, you go, that's incredibly offensive. Maybe you go, how can you say that? Like, how can you say that the only way to God is Jesus? That the only valid belief system is Christianity? How incredibly close-minded. Maybe that's going through your mind. You see, many people think that they're open-minded by saying that any decent, good, moral person can find God regardless of what they believe. Like, that what really matters is that you follow your heart. Like, you be your best self. You find your truth. Like, be true to yourself. Like, so long as you're, like, so long as you're good, so long as you, you know, are good enough and you're moral, however you need to do that, whatever you need to believe to just be a good person, like, then you can, then you can find God, whatever that means for you. Like, that sounds incredibly open-minded. That sounds incredibly inclusive. But here, here's the problem. It sounds inclusive and open-minded, but to the Christian, that kind of thinking is actually incredibly exclusive. And here's why. Because it completely excludes everyone who isn't good. You get it? Like, how can you say all these things about Jesus? Like, so long as you're good enough, however you need to, like, then that's great. And I go, yeah, but how many, who's good enough? None of us. See, the message of Christianity isn't the message that Jesus helps you be good so that you can find God. No, the message of Christianity is the message that because you can't be good enough, God came to find you. See, every other belief system, look it up. Go look it up. Every other belief system in the world has at its basis achieve, 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 achieve. Follow these tenets. Follow these pillars. Do these things. Take these steps. Like, and if you follow this path and you do all the right things, then maybe you will end up in favor with whatever deity we're, we're subscribing to, or at least you'll find a good life. Just achieve, 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 achieve. The message of Christianity is not achieve, it's receive. The message of Christianity, all the other religions say work and strive, work and strive. Christianity says see and trust. See and trust, not in your own striving, not in your own achievement, but in the achievement of Jesus Christ who achieved everything on your behalf. See, you could never be good enough. That's why he came. If you could be good enough, then Jesus totally wasted his time. The reality is, is you can't, but he did. Which brings us to the call of Christmas. The call of Christmas is have you received this consolation of the soul through the finished work of Jesus Christ? See, Jesus Christ came. He lived the life that you should have lived. 
that you should live, but can't. He could. He lived the life you should have lived. He died the death we all deserve to die, a death under the wrath of God for rejecting him. And he rose again three days later so that we could receive life through faith in him. Have you seen and received God's salvation in Jesus? To be neutral toward that is not an option. It's kind of like uh, if tomorrow morning your significant other puts a gift in front of you, it's beautifully wrapped, of course, better than you could have done, better than I could have done or did. Um, I'm a big fan of the bags. So uh, puts a gift in front of you, looks into your eyes and says, Merry Christmas. I love you. And then you don't touch the gift and you go, okay. And you get up and go watch Netflix. Like, don't, okay, don't do that. <laughs> That's a bad idea. But you're like, in that scenario, it's like, well, they didn't say I hate, like they weren't like, it wasn't like, Merry Christmas, I love you. You're like, I hate you. No. Like, I didn't do that. But why would we not do that? We wouldn't do that because we know that to not receive and respond is the same thing as rejecting. See, you can't be indifferent towards Jesus. To not receive Jesus is, in fact, to reject him. No matter how you feel about it, you can try to, try to walk that line of like, I don't hate him, but I don't love him. It's like, no, no, no. If you don't receive Jesus, you are rejecting him. See, the truth is the greatest gift you re could receive this Christmas is the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. And here's the great thing about this, is that this gift is offered to anyone who will come. It's offered to all who will receive. That's, that's what Simeon says here in verse 31 and 32. He says, you have prepared it, salvation, you have prepared it in the presence of all peoples. A light of revelation of the Gentiles and glory for your people Israel. You see, here's what he's saying. He's saying that this salvation is available to anybody, regardless of class, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of gender, regardless of, of what you've done. You see, the, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter how long you've been, wherever you've been. No one is too far gone to receive Jesus. No one is too far gone to be received by Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus tonight. Receive the greatest gift that you could ever receive this Christmas. And for those of you who have already received the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, what we see in Simeon is an encouragement to keep going. How did Simeon live year after year after year after year? Righteous and devout. How did he do that? It's because, check this out, it's because 
he had a hope-filled anticipation that God would one day fulfill his promises. And what is the hope-filled anticipation that we have now as believers? That one day, Jesus Christ will come again. We have the hope-filled anticipation that we will spend an eternity with the risen Savior and King, which means that that hope-filled anticipation this Christmas should propel us into faithful, righteous, devout, joy-filled living as we persevere through trials, as we persevere through opposition, that we persevere with the hope that one day God will, as he has done before, fulfill his promises to those who believe. Christian, keep going. Persevere in the faith, filled with hope and joy that God is a God who fulfills his promises. Let's pray. Oh God, we praise you for being a promise-keeping God. We praise you this Christmas, Jesus, for coming in the flesh, for coming in vulnerability, for coming as a baby, so that all can come. Oh Holy Spirit, would you do your work in the hearts of those who have yet to receive Christ? Would this Christmas be the Christmas that they receive the greatest gift ever given? They would respond in faith to cease from their striving and put their trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. We praise you, God. We thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. This has been a message from Candeo Church. To learn more about us or to hear more messages, visit us at candeochurch.com.